Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one of the podcast your mother warned you about. I am your host, (laughs) Allie H., and I have my co-host with me here. Tony M. All right. Um, We have a couple of content creators that aren't with us today, but they will be joining me shortly once we get the platform going. Uh, We have Britta FC, Andrew C., and Amanda K., and I'm excited to have all of their input on future episodes. Um, This episode, actually, I'm going to touch on uh, pretty much what we're about. So the podcast your mother warned you about is this mix of true crime, mystery, paranormally, like, unexplained phenomenon, pretty much. Just like true crime here and there. Yeah, all things taboo and odd, pretty much. No topic is off limits. Yeah, I mean we're I'm we're gonna try way hard to sway off of politics and religion because those are always the sticky yeah, ones. Yeah, those ones always tend to get people's blood flowing. Uh, but the types of topics that we are gonna cover are gonna be topics like, um, you know what what can be in true crime and mystery, right? We're gonna talk about murder, robbery, missing, kidnapping. Uh, disappearances. We're gonna talk about just fucking aliens and shit, conspiracy theories. Fucking today, we're gonna. I'm gonna hit you with some true crime that I actually um had the unfortunate experience of living through. Uh, this is my first time ever recording a podcast, so please bear with me and with my co-host Tony. We are in our little makeshift recording studio here in my tiny closet. With creaky chairs and sleeping children. It's all we got. It's all we got. We're going to run with it. So um, so pretty much what I want to address is today's topic. Today's topic is going to be the tragic death of Vanessa Martinez. Um, this one hit me really hard because, like I said, I had to live through it um, before this incident happened. You know, I might have had some unknown uh, mental illnesses that would have come to the surface eventually one day. But uh, this is what really made a lot of things in my life come to a head. And it helped me reach out to the right uh, avenues to get the help that I needed to treat the PTSD that ultimately came with this situation. Because this shit was fucking intense. So pretty much um, I do want to go into this by saying... I do love all different kinds of feedback. We love all different kinds of feedback. Um, We want to try to keep it as respectful as possible for both the people in the story and for the people telling the story. Um, I'm also going to try our best to make sure that we uh, link show notes and relevant links and our resource information, our credible sources. We want to make sure we have as much source material as possible to make sure that we're not giving you guys anything false yeah we don't we try not to feed into bullshit more or less we want to really give you guys the like nitty-gritty information to take home with you that's gonna help you one day uh this story is gonna just i guess help me cope (laughs) uh by you know giving you guys a little insight to what i had to go through so I do have notes on my computer. I've got paper notes that I'm now going to put aside because I don't need them. And I'm going to go straight into this story. So on November 15th of 2013, 
it was a pretty cold November afternoon. I was working at my new company, Check and Go. I was just hired like maybe a month beforehand. I was working with my store manager as a loan processor, trying to get down the normal routine. I had gone from flipping burgers to flipping loans. So flipping people, flipping people. <laughs> hey, um, but more or less, it was like me just trying to learn something new and happy to do it because I had gone from working this like 24 hour job that was working me crazy hours, you know, crazy swing shifts or graveyard shifts at Jack in the Box uh, to this nine to five kind of office setting, which was perfect for me at the time because I had two young children. Well, going back to this November day, it was about... 1:45 in the afternoon when we got a call to our store location and I see my manager kind of like straighten up and go really quiet and he said okay and he hung up the phone and he went in the back and he got a cell phone now at the place where we work this place is called check and go we do payday loans installment loans uh, western union transactions check cashing so Pretty much we're like a financial institution, but we're not a bank. You know, we charge you fees to cash your checks. We load your debit cards. We get your Western Union transactions paid out to you the best you can. Right. But we do handle money. So that is a part of the job is handling money. And they do say it's, quote unquote, the nature of the beast when you handle money that there will be relative dangers. Well, I had just transferred from a jack-in-the-box in Pomona, California, which is as far East L.A. as you can possibly get. So I was super happy to not be working in East L.A. and in a comfortable office in the city in which I had pretty much grew up and had been raised in and felt the most comfortable in. And when I got hired with this company, I had wanted to work at the Chino location because that was the closest to my home in Chino. However... I was needed elsewhere and I was hired to replace a loan processor at the up uh, at the Ontario location because he was promoted to manager at a different location. So So my manager gets this phone call. And he runs to the back, he grabs his phone and in the kind of a business we work in, you can't be on your phone. We work with customer sensitive information. So being on your phone is a no-no. My phone's been in the back. It looks like a contract conflict of interest not a conflict of interest it's just when you handle people's social security numbers and bank information you cannot have your cell phone on the floor that is like gotcha. a breach of like the person's like um security secu exactly yeah. they're just like they're pretty much handing you their financial life for you to provide them loan info like loans you have to make sure that you do your due diligence to protect that customer information and having your cell phone out and being on your cell phone is kind of negligent. So that is like a no, no. And everybody's always, you know, understanding that you're on video camera, you're being monitored because you're handling money and you're kind of like a bank. So, you know, it's November 15th. It's right before Thanksgiving, you know, uh, it's busy. It's the afternoon time. We do loans. People come in they come in to do a payday loan. Now, if you've never had a payday loan here in California, it's kind of like a cycle. People will come in and they'll pay their loan off, but they'll ask for it right back. And so that way they could have their loan for the full length of the two weeks before they pay off and take back again. So, um, you know, that's kind of how that flow works. 
Well, my manager gets this call. He runs back to his phone and he makes a couple calls and he's not getting answers. He's making a couple calls. He can't get any answers and he comes back. And we have a couple customers on the other side of the counter, but he leans to me and he says very quietly, you need to fund every loan in cash. If we can't get all the cash out of the store in about 20 minutes, I'm taking it all to the bank. I'm sorry that you're like only been here a month and I got to leave you alone for like 20, 30 minutes while I run to the bank to do this. But we think Chino's been hit and it's just safer for us. And at that point in time, I felt my whole body flush with heat. And I thought, you know, I didn't expect to ever be in a situation where a robbery close to me could happen and that there would be a target on me because we handle cash like that. So I was kind of just naive to it. The term nature of the beast didn't hit me until all of this whirlwind had happened. So that was kind of like, whoa, you know? And, uh, so when it came down to it, uh, my boss is still, you know, trying to call everything, everybody he can and I see him jump on the phone and he calls the guy that I was hired to replace. He was a manager at a different location, but a close one. So he gets on the phone with him. His name is Anthony. My boss's name is Aaron. Aaron is asking Anthony, can you get a hold of Virgil at the Chino location? Anthony says, no. Can you? And Aaron says, no, I can't get a hold of Virgil. And then that's when we all kind of realized something terrible had happened. I didn't know what had happened. I was in work mode, get all the money out of the store mode, because that's what I was told to do. And I kind of just was thinking terrible thoughts like, wow, you know, what, what could have happened? And then my boss comes around the corner and he goes, well, no panic buttons got hit. So they must have done something to the associate, like disabled them in some way, like tied them up or knocked them out. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, some, this poor woman is sitting in a fucking coma somewhere beaten be because of money, you know? Yeah. And greed will be the, the death of us all. Yeah. I just, money is pure fucking evil, man. And, uh, you know, so like I'm standing there and just reassessing my life because holy shit, that at that point in time we were handling it as a robbery it could be us next they could be coming to us next because it was that easy there you know so we were all kind of on high alert and my boss comes around the corner and after all the customers had cleared out and the world had stopped he kind of puts his hands on the counter and goes i'm gonna go have a smoke break honestly alicia if she doesn't make it i can't work with this company anymore and it was at that moment in time i realized holy shit maybe this person has lost their life because of this situation. And that's when I told my boss, when you get done with your break, please let me take mine. And he said, all right, well, handling customers when you've only been doing this job a month is not as easy as it seems, especially when your boss is in panic mode, trying to call people on his personal cell phone out of office, either in the front of the store or in the back of the store, just out of customer's earshot. And some time had passed. So when my break finally came around, I walked to the back office and I had like 47 missed calls. And like 26 of them were like my dad because he knew that I got hired with the company mm -hmm. and I lived in Chino, but he didn't know I worked at the Ontario store. 
and I fit the description of the woman on the news because it had broke on the news before I was working. I was not allowed to be on my phone and we didn't have a TV on. So by the time information was very delayed for me, because I'm fucking in overdrive trying to get money out the store and trying to connect some dots. And at the time I didn't know, like I ended up working for that company for five years, mind you. I didn't know how to dial different stores and sister stores and branching out in my region and reaching out to my people. I had barely started working there. I had only ever called that location a few times when my boss wasn't in the store to have a smoke break so that I didn't have to bug him. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd only gotten Vanessa's help once or twice on things, but she was always so polite and so sweet when... I would call her and I would ask her and I would say, hey, I know this sounds like a dumb question, but how do you do this? And she would go, oh, that's not dumb. This is how you do it. And I would just say, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, I maybe only talked to her like like really only probably once or twice in my span of working with her, which only lasted a month because on November 15th, Vanessa ended up losing her life at Check and Go. So... When I went back to my phone and I had all those missed calls and I realized that half of them were my dad and the other half were friends I hadn't talked to in 10 years since high school or, um, you know, like friends who knew that my number had never changed since that time anyways. And they reached out to me to make sure that it wasn't me because the news broadcast was so vague. 24 year old female store clerk, Chino check and go shot dead. And all my friends knew was that I was posting on Facebook about how I was so happy to leave Jack in the box and work for check and go because it was more of a office style nine to five better for my kid family routine. So that really sucked having to work alone the next day because so many people in our company up and quit their jobs when she lost her life because they didn't feel safe. People in Utah and across the states were quitting. And there's only ever like two people in a store. You should be able to handle a store on your own. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If you lose half of your company, that means that there's not enough people to run the stores. So they ultimately probably had to shut down some stores, huh? Some stores did have to close for a day or two while they found the staffing because we were spread thin. I, I was moved to several different store locations all throughout the city. And I actually had to work with Vanessa's best friend the week that during that week. <laughs> it was the, the absolute worst. So let's rewind. Let's go back. Let's go back to talk about what happened to Vanessa. So what happened to Vanessa? At about one twenty-four, she gets a call on her phone, and it's Anthony, the guy that I'm hired to replace. And he calls, and he says, hey, is Virgil available? That's the store manager, Virgil. And Vanessa goes, no, Virgil just stepped out to grab a Coke on his lunch break. Do you need a cell phone number? Anthony goes, nah, I got his cell phone. I'll call him. She goes, okay, hey, ho hold on a second. She buzzes somebody in because she has a magnet lock on her door. Bzzz, right? So before she even has time to greet the customer and put the phone down, there's a pop, pop, pop. And Anthony knows exactly what he hears on the phone because he's ex-military. And all he can hear is Vanessa calling for help and calling for Virgil. So Anthony, knowing what he hears, grabs his other line, dials 911, places a 911 call, and the police run directly to the store. 
I'm going to go ahead and pull up the Word document I have here with all of my information up for the case we're talking about today. So first and foremost, I want to mention that Vanessa was so beautiful. She had a beautiful smile. She was good at doing her makeup. She just seemed very, very polite. And she was my age. She's 24. We, Our birthdays were only about two weeks apart. In fact, she shares a birthday with my brother on December 4th. So she was killed tragically just a few weeks shy of her 25th birthday. I have a couple of pictures here and I'm going to find a way to post them um, with the podcast so that everybody can follow along to see what I'm seeing here. But she was just a put together young woman. So she had zero idea was about to happen. Um, the reason why she ended up buzzing the customer in was because it was a it was a familiar customer. That customer had actually come in earlier in the day. And a lot of this information isn't something that you're going to find in any of the notes. A lot of this information is going to come directly from me because I lived through it. And I actually worked at this location when they reopened it. I worked with the people who worked it. I had to handle all of the customers, all of her paperwork. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts. Pretty so picking up right where she left off. I mean, the paperwork for the day that it happened was still sitting on the goddamn counter. Um, for as much money as this company made, they really could have cleaned up better. All of her personal belongings that weren't like a purse and cell phone that were returned to the family. Like, she had personal items in the bathroom like um, toothbrush and hair ties. Like, little ones for the ends of your braids or ponytails. Um, razors. Face soap. You know, she has some toiletries in there. When you're at work, you know, you make it your home. You're there, you know, a quarter of your day. Yeah. You know, it's important that you make the most of it. So, or should I say a 30-year day? I'm fucking terrible at math. Anywho, so she had seen this customer previously, and he had actually come in earlier in the day and paid his loan off. But you see, this customer was in a payday loan cycle and he wanted to take his money right back out. So. Is that possible? You can do that? Yeah, you could do that because you've currently paid that loan off. Now you don't owe us anything. And now you could take another one back out with a payday loan. Oh, gotcha. You can do that. Okay. Um, the rule at the time was if they took an installment loan, which was credit based, they had to wait a cool down period, which was a day. Oh, for like things to, to take another loan back out yeah gotcha. but but with a payday loan you didn't have that it was a different style loan the finance lending law was different so you got to go ahead and just take the money right back out after you paid it because it's technically a, a brand new loan it's a brand new loan you gotcha. need that money we're going to loan it to you if you're willing to pay the fees that's how payday lending works so there's only three things that you need to get a loan at that company. An ID, a pay stub that's most recent within 30 days, and a blank check from your active bank account. When this customer paid his loan off, he had it, right? He had the ID, the pay stub, and the blank check. Wrong. You see, his California driver license or ID had expired. And the only other ID that he had on him was not a... United States government issued ID. It was a Mexican matricula consular ID, which was still valid, but that was the only ID he had. He didn't have anything government issued. Mm -hmm. 
And even with a social security card, he just didn't have that ID. So Vanessa tells him, hey, I'm sorry, you know, you have two of the three requirements, but you don't have your ID. And he was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go get Christmas gifts for my kids. I'm going to stop at the DMV and pay that fee and get my interim license. You know, like, can I just get that loan? And mind you, she's the only Spanish speaking associate at the store. So she's telling him, no, I'm sorry if I don't have a government issued, you know, United States ID, can't I, I can't process a loan. I just can't go over that. And if I alter the system and lie, then I'm lying on a loan application. Then I'm fraud. I'm frauding my company and doing wrong. So she was just protecting her job by telling him, I'm sorry. But really, she should not have verbally denied him. That was not the process. Mm -hmm. However, this customer was like, all right, okay. You'll see me back. I'm coming back. She was like, all right. She, I don't think she understood what he meant by that. But uh, he drove to a different store location and he asked, hey, what kind of IDs do you take? And wouldn't you know, just that Monday, and this happened on a Friday, mind you, just that Monday, a memo had come out. Hey, guess what? With a social security card and we could take a matricula consular ID now. So it was one of those things where, like, Vanessa literally did not get the memo. And he took it personally. Like, oh, now she don't want a loan to me. Because the store that he went into, I ended up taking over that store when they promoted me to manager. And that manager, she's bubbly. She's light. She's like, yeah, yeah, we take that ID. Do you want a loan? I can help you out. And he was like, nah, thank you. Mm -hmm. And he drove and got his accomplice in Pomona went back to the Chino location and waited for Virgil to step out on his lunch break. When Vanessa buzzed him in, it was not five seconds later did he fire shots at her. So she's laying there on the floor and he says something along the lines of, I told you I'd be back because that's what Anthony heard on the phone. Because you see, even though Anthony was on the phone with 911 the whole time, he still did not want to leave Vanessa alone on the phone. So, boy, that was hard. Damn. And he did have to testify to what he heard at court. So, mind you, while all this is going on, Anthony's calling other stores like, somebody please call the director of operations so that they can review the footage and tell us what's going on and get the police in there. We need to get the police in there. She needs help. She needs help. So, the woman who actually hired me, her name was Rhonda. Rhonda had to watch that happen on the DVR footage. As it was happening? Not as it was happening because she didn't have it up live. She had to rewind it and watch it. Now, I'm going to show you the videos, uh, screenshots that they gave us and they gave the news. That's the footage there of the two suspects involved. One is an older Hispanic male and the other one is a younger either Hispanic male or African-American. So what we can see here is that one has his hand in his pocket. Looks like he's holding a gun there, doesn't he? A little bit, yeah. And then looks like he's reaching out to open a door. This guy, too, looks like he's on his way out. If I scroll down a little more on my computer, you can see this other one is the suspect number two, the younger male. Behind the counter in like a kind of a run like he has what he needs and he's getting out. But what you don't see is that cropped out of this picture to the right on the floor beside the chair is where Vanessa lays. Mm -hmm. 
bleeding from having been shot twice in the chest. So these two guys run out and mind you, I know nothing. I go home knowing Vanessa died. It happened at the check and go. We think it's a robbery. We had no, no knowledge of any of what I just told you. We had no previous knowledge. I, at the time, had no idea that the guy had come back. It was a private, you know, personal vendetta because she said, I'm sorry, don't take me that ID. You know, if she's the only Spanish-speaking associate in the store, the manager should have got that memo to her. It's very important to communicate those types of changes. It was literally a life or death communication at that point. Mm -hmm. The manager at that point just didn't know it. She paid the price for it. She really did. unfortunate because... I mean, that guy walked in there to take out a loan, which was what, at the max, $255? And he walked out with the max he could fucking take, which was her life. Yeah. You know? That was somebody's daughter, sister, auntie, cousin, friend, girlfriend. Yeah. That was somebody's everything. That was her mother, Ruby. That was her everything was her youngest daughter and all her kids. And now she's going to be robbed of so many things and not being able to experience those things because this guy was denied alone because he wanted to take it personal because he couldn't just go to a competitor of ours and get some money. It's one of those things where it is, it's senseless. So tragic, really. And another thing that I wanted to ask you is what do you notice about the countertops in these pictures? They're all about like... I don't know. They're pretty high. They're pretty high. So they're, they sit higher than your navel, correct? Like your belly yeah. button. They sit below your breast, but above your belly button. So these are like waist high countertops. They're very high. So Anthony was on the phone with 911 and he's telling them what happened and the police get there quick. And I'm not lying to you. Chino PD response time is ridiculous. And this was what the police office called a brazen act of violence because you could pardon my language but you could fucking piss on the police station from this office and i like i said i grew up here my entire life in chino my parents had just had my daughters that saturday less than 50 yards away at the rite aid in the same parking lot getting ice cream yeah right at the same corner where these blocks of buildings are connected so so it is just like I said, the police said a brazen act. So the police get there and they look in and they see high countertops. They can't see anything wrong and no panic buttons got hit inside the store. So unfortunately they had to wait for Virgil to come back from getting that Coke before they could enter the building and he had to let them in. And why do you ask? Because of that fucking magnet lock door. You see when a business uh, is locked, the police can't just break a window if they can't see a problem. Right. And Vanessa was sitting beneath that. She was laying on her back and she did. And, and yeah. the panic buttons in this case were affixed to the top of the bottom of that counter, right? The bottom side of that counter. So she couldn't reach up and touch it. She was in a state of shock more or less. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you exactly what she died of cardiac arrest because this company really didn't do its due diligence in forwarding the mail forwarding the voicemails asking the detectives or contacting the detectives properly because the detectives would stop in or call us we got the ambulance bill and the coroner's report 
and she did get hit twice in the chest, and that bullet probably rattled around and tore her apart. And it showed that she died of cardiac arrest on the way to the hospital. So she was alive when they got her, but she didn't make it even to the hospital. So, um... So I explained what Anthony heard and how he called 911 and how because of the panic buttons, the high counters, and the magnet lock on the door, legally the police could not go into the building because they did not see anything wrong. Had they seen Vanessa, they of course would have broken some windows or something, but they didn't, so they had to wait until Virgil came around the corner a couple minutes later, which could have been vital. Yeah. Um, she could have bled out right there, and they would have never known until they opened the doors. I mean, there, to be honest with you, there was blood splatter, you know, and particulates left over. And my co- the company did not do a really good job cleaning it up. To be honest with you, it was super fucking disrespectful. Uh, the people that worked there had to ask several times for it to be cleaned. Um, nothing was done afterwards. It's like they changed the carpet, changed the paint, and there was no banded barrier or partition put in, no extra security. Nothing changed. Just business as usual. Business is motherfucking usual. Fucking disgusting. And, uh, you know, I worked alone the very next morning, not knowing any updates, nothing. I opened up the, I opened up the email to see that the first arrest had been made Saturday morning, about 13 hours after the robbery had occurred. The quote unquote robbery had occurred. Uh, Jorge Esteban Cisneros, 43 of Ontario, California, was arrested at about 2.30 a.m. Um, and he was the one who was the, the trigger man. Um, he was the customer in question that was denied a loan and came back as a vendetta to rob the store for all it had. And him and his accomplice, 29-year-old David Mendez out of Pomona, California, um, they they got about $600 out of both registers. So 300 in each register, which is the max they were, I believe, allowed to carry in each register. Mm-hmm. So for Vanessa's life, they got $600 split two ways. They each got $300. So that's pathetic. Um, Rhonda, the director of operations that hired me, was actually moving out of state at the time this happened, and she was actually on her final two weeks when it occurred. So she actually had to run the DVR back and watch the whole thing happen through her tears. And even though she moved out of state, she still traveled across several state lines to appear at every hearing for Vanessa. And Anthony did the same. Even though he didn't move far and still remained local, he made sure that he made it to every single hearing until both of these dirtbags were sentenced. So... Um, you know, going back to that day and, you know, taking everything in the missed calls on my phone, my family and my friend and all their concerns and having to work alone the next day with only my taser and my fucking pocket knife, um, realizing so many people quit the next day and quote unquote, the nature of the beast, It was really, really hard. I'm a very ethically strong person when it comes to work ethics. I wake up, I go to work, I try to grin and bear it. I don't like to take sick leave. I like to save it for vacation time for the kids or when the kids get sick. I don't do much for myself when it comes to that. I'm a very hardworking individual. Mm -hmm. It terrified me to go into work. It was so scary. It still scares me. 
now during COVID more than ever because I'm still in the same line of work and people have to wear masks in my store. My panic buttons are right there, but still it's terrifying. The company that I work for now does an amazing job of cash handling and actually the way they handle cash is obsolete because there's no other lender in the United States that handles money the way they do and is the reason why I'm happy and proud to work for them. Uh, and is the reason why I'm comfortable and continued working in the way that I did. But, um, the whole company handled things terribly. Like I said, they didn't forward anything. Um, what they did do is on November 22nd, which oddly enough is my birthday, they released a memo to us that said that they were opening a fund at Wells Fargo bank, uh, the, the Vanessa Martinez fund, and they donated, uh, initial $50,000 into it for the family and left it open through the end of Christmas. I believe it was December 27th is when they decided to close it out and donate all the proceeds to the family. But you see, Vanessa was actually put to rest on November 30th. So who do you think initially had to front the full cost of the funeral? Her parents. Her family, Her for family, sure. Yeah. yeah. Now... That must have been so hard i as a parent went home that night and fell to my knees and hugged my children like i would never see them again and to be honest with you i hug them like that every day ever since i try to make sure that the last thing they hear me say is i love you even if it's rushed or hurried or angry sometimes the last thing that they'll hear me say is i love you and that's because of vanessa I've had a long battle with gun violence. I struggled with why didn't he come to my store? He was arrested at the apartment complex close to me. Why didn't they go to my store? Those are things that you never think of when you accept a job offer. But, but what I will say is that I now work for a company that takes my security into their hands 110%, where they have security watching me 100% of my whole day. I've got eyes on me. I have people watching me at a security center that has all eyes on me. I have panic buttons when I need help. You know, I have, you know, protocols put in place that make me feel safe in the way that they handle cash. And I believe it's why I actually got the job when I initially applied, because when they ask at the interview, if you have any questions, my first question was, I noticed you guys don't have bulletproof glass and that you do loan cash in large amounts. How do you feel comfortable lending and having that kind of money in the store? She kind of just laughed and said, yes, I could see how you feel that way, but I'm glad you're with this company because we're going to show you how. And they did and pff, blew me away. It's expensive as shit to handle money that way, but he gets it done. And it protects his assets and it keeps us safe. And his employees are his number one asset where I work. And that's amazing. I work for a private lender now. And it's much better. But I'll never forget the loss of Vanessa. And every year on November 15th, I would go and leave a candle at the 
check and go in Chino. And I worked there for a short period of time. And boy, it sucks having to work at a place where that happened because not one day goes by where a customer doesn't come in and say, you know what happened here, right? You can't wear your name tag to the donut shop in the plaza because they'll say, oh, you work at check and go. You know what happened there, right? Or customers coming in and going, oh yeah, she got shot 12 times in the head. And like just uh, this just blowing it out of ridiculous, ridiculous stories. And you're like, no, actually, that's not what happened. And when you really know, and all the information that I gave you today was collected across several, several months. And these dirtbags weren't fully convicted until some time afterwards, actually. I believe it was a year, that following year. So it was November. So that following year in 2004. No, in 2015, the accomplice was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for first degree murder and second degree robbery. And on in April of 2016, the trigger man, Jorge Cisneros, got life in prison without the possibility of parole for the same thing, first degree murder and second degree robbery. So... Um, the very next mornings, you know, Saturday morning, Saturday night, somebody was caught, you know, or Saturday, Saturday morning at 2.30 AM, Cisneros got caught, Mendez got caught Sunday morning. They were, um, you know, they're currently rotting in jail right now where they are rightfully so. I wanted to, um, express, you know, I wanted to express how Vanessa had expressed her worries beforehand about working at the particular location she did because it had already been robbed once before. And that's the reason why she worked at that store is because the the two girls that had worked there both quit at the same time. And uh, so we have to staff somebody, so they shuffle people around. So Vanessa was actually from Riverside. She wasn't even from Chino. She lived a whole 20 miles, 20 minutes away. Wow. Yeah, so... She had already expressed her concerns to her supervisors about, you know, can we get bulletproof glass in every store? And we had asked that. We had asked that as a company, just install that, install that. Well, what our company will end up telling you is that that puts a literal physical barrier between our customers. And that does damage customer relations enough to damage profits and profits over people always with companies like that. So fuck them. Yeah, that's how... uh... I feel with my company. I feel like they don't give a damn about their employees, but they give a damn about their uh, the money coming in. Well, Vanessa had passed away on November 15th, which was a Friday. And funny enough, the company didn't formally contact the family until the following Tuesday because Vanessa hadn't left any emergency contacts in her online portal in her employee HR. So even though her family knew that day that she died, the company didn't reach out to the family until Tuesday because the girl that I had to work with had to reach out to her brother and get his cell phone number so the company can make some sort of contact with the family Mm -hmm. because her belongings were still there. I don't think her belongings were on her person when they took her to the hospital. So, um, you know, long story short, I got crazy PTSD because I had to handle that checkbox. I had to see her initials every day. I had to see her initials in the computer system on the check boxes. I found out a family member had a loan with the company and I'm not allowed to handle 
family member or friend loans like that, but because they originated it at that store and I had to run two stores out of the store I was in, I had to handle, I had to break protocol and do it. And it's like, you know, what, at what hourly wage do you sell your soul like that? Jesus, for what cost? At, at what cost? It just sucked. And then, you know, these these two dirtballs are rotting in jail. So what I did want to read to you is a little bit of an impact statement that her mom had written. This is in regards to when Jorge Cisneros was sentenced. Her sister, uh, Mary Rojas, is noted as saying, to Cisneros, throughout the trial, you have showed absolutely no remorse and actually looked as though you didn't have a care in the world, as you did today, as you rocked back and forth in your chair, so relaxed, as she's fighting back tears. Um, Vanessa's cousin, Aneki Martinez, stood next to Rojas and comforted her um, in the grieving. Uh, she waited her turn for a statement, and as she spoke, she said that Vanessa was more than a blurred relation, though. She was my best friend. Vanessa's youngest brother, Joseph Cabrales, who at the time of the statement was 21 years old, said that he expressed that his older sister's murder just caused a jumble of emotions. He said, I don't know how to feel. If it's angry or sad, I just know that I dream about being with her just to share a meal with her again. Hamburgers. But I don't think I can ever see you again. Um, her mother, Sains, uh, Ruby Sains, demanded that Cisneros look at her picture, but he refused to turn his gaze at the photo of a smiling Martinez that was on a projector screen. Um, she exclaimed, you can't even look at my face. Her rage gave way to tears as she spoke about her silly Vanessa and all the milestones that she would no longer share with her daughter. She said that she told the court about the pain she had to endure when picking out her daughter's casket and the emotional stress that was placed upon her when she had to read Vanessa's name on news accounts or in court records and especially on her death certificate. She asked, do you know what it feels like to sit in your child's room to hold her clothes so you can pretend that she's next to you? She asked Nisneros and she said, of, of course not, but I do. She demanded that he look at her pictures, and she said, and over what? Video games for your kids. She went on to say that there was no grave marker yet on Vanessa's, no headstone yet on her grave, because she couldn't bear to put one on until she knew that the evil had been dealt with and buried as well. So, all in all, you know, there's this family that's, extremely grieving this loss of a beautiful light which I could never even imagine and you know that's a little bit of our true crime because true crime happens everywhere even if you work in an office so close that you can piss on the police station it happens violent people are out there and criminals are fucking stupid in this instance, they saw a dollar sign on the window and thought that for every customer that walked in that door, they had thousands of dollars to hand out when, in theory, they make us sell debit cards or give you a check. We don't really handle that much cash. Cash handling is kept to a minimum for robbery reasons. This gentleman should have been aware of that. 
And unfortunately, it seemed like if his card was declined for oil at AutoZone, it looked like that customer service rep was the next to go. Right. Obviously, this guy was on the edge. Obviously. And the homie that he went and consulted with before doing his deed was just in on it. He might not have known that he went back to kill her. Maybe he didn't mean to intend to kill her. Whatever. I didn't get to view that video. I don't think I could ever work myself up to view that video of what happened to her. And, you know, for the people that did have to to deal with that, I, I can't even imagine. I had to deal with the ripple effects of the customer base afterwards. I've literally stood in the spot where Vanessa was shot and had a customer say, this is why you guys get shot because I couldn't approve a loan. They didn't give me the right documents. I had a customer tell me, I hope your mother dies because I couldn't cash their check. How ugly, like, do you have to be as an individual? I mean, money rules everything, emotions especially. So in the grand scheme of things, nobody wins. Everybody fucking loses here. The only thing that I can take from this fucking situation is the fact that I wake up every day and hug my kids and kiss my kids without knowing i know that if i die tomorrow the people that know that i love them know i love them and the people that know i hate them can celebrate a day without me bitch because fuck you too but i digress getting into the paranormal part of this whole thing like i said i worked at that store when they reopened so i had to have an alarm code and when you're given an alarm code you're put in a special pecking order if an alarm goes off so because I worked at that store, I was like third on the list for when the alarm goes off, they call you. Mm-hmm. So with this protection service, they went with, you know, first we're going to call the district manager, then the store manager. And then if those don't answer, we're going to call every LP loan processor. That's what LP stands for. Every LP that's listed until we get somebody who can give us directions on what to do at the store. So... It's Thanksgiving Day, less than two weeks after Vanessa passes away. I'm at my ex-husband's house with our kids having Thanksgiving dinner with his family. My phone's ringing, and it's the alarm company, and they want to know what I want to do about the glass break at Chino. And I said, send the police. Sure thing, we'll send units over there. Have a good night. Front glass didn't shatter. So my DDO didn't answer the phone. My store manager didn't answer the phone. And I get a call on a holiday, the first holiday after she passes away in that store. I hadn't even been working at that store yet. My number wasn't even programmed into that panel yet. Why am I getting a phone call about a Chino store? That's weird. Are you ready for the kicker? Fast forward to Easter. Guess what happens? The alarm goes off again. Yeah, I get a call. I'm at my ex-husband's house with the family again. Familiar situation. I look down. Alarm company's calling me. And I just kind of laugh like, no fucking way. I go, if this is at the Chino location, when I already work at a different location now and I shouldn't be on that keypad, I'm going to trip the fuck out. Hi, what do you want to do about the uh, trigger sensor at the Chino location? You want us to send police? And I said, no, don't send the police. I'll just tell Vanessa hi. 
And the person on the other line was like, what? And I was like, nothing, nothing. Don't send the police. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll have my person review the video later. My people's handle it. And yeah, my director of operations called me the next day and was like, oh, uh, a marketing sign fell off. Oh, it was that marketing sign that was right over the spot, which would have been like directly behind where she was shot. Like that cubicle wall behind directly where she was standing. That's where that hung. And that's what fell. Wow. Yep. It went off one more time for the next uh, Easter. It happened one more time for next Easter. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen anymore after that. But what I will say is it always broke my heart that every 15th of November, when I would go to leave my candle, the first year that, you know, when she passed away, there were so many candles that before the store could reopen, they had to have somebody come and pressure wash. There was so much wax. But then the next year, there were only a small amount of candles. And then the year after that, it was only my candle. Just forgotten. No, not forgotten. If I was her parents, I wouldn't want to relive that fucking place every goddamn day, especially if they didn't do anything to help us. Right. And that building is currently vacant. I drove past it the last time we were in California. Last time I was in California, and it was vacant. I live in North Las Vegas now, but last time I drove through there, that that check-and-go was now vacant, and I wonder if it can ever be sold again. Right. Or if it's sold, what poor person's going to have to work there and hear those stories? And if Walls could talk, because let me tell you, I could feel it. Did you know that when they reopened that store on February 3rd, the following year, a couple months after, yeah, the paperwork was still chilling out that day. And she still had personal belongings that were in the bathroom and they were going to throw them away. And I wouldn't let them. I took it home. I have her basket in this closet somewhere. Scary. Yeah. But you know what? She intended to use it. And they were going to throw it in the motherfucking garbage. Mm -hmm. So I use it. And that's my story. That's my story of the fucking paranormal shit that happened. The true crime shit that happened. And the fucking... Just human emotion that comes with admitting that you have a mental illness. Because I was, after that, shortly diagnosed, shortly thereafter, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And and had been put on medication for it. And realized that it was environmental and that I needed to just get out of that employer and get out of the life that I was leading. Noticed I said ex-husband and ex-employer. You know, I I managed to control my environment and get myself in a better situation that made me feel better. So, you know, you cope with your PTSD. And I've moved to Las Vegas, which I hear is the number one place to go if you've got, you know, PTSD for gun violence. Because, you know, the largest mass shooting in America happened here on October 1st. So that was the Route 91 festival. And that'll be another day, another story. But just want to thank all you guys for hanging in there i want to let you guys know that you can always get at us on an email uh strange people talking at gmail.com 
So if you guys want to email us, let us know how we did. That's or, a good one. I like that yeah, one. that's that's the email I decided to come up with. This is the podcast your mother warned you about. We are the strange people talking. I'm your host Ali H. We got my co-host Tony M. My content creators Britta F C, Andrew C, and Amanda K, who aren't on this podcast just yet, but they will be joining me shortly. Man, that was motherfucking heavy. Yeah, I definitely feel like, I don't know, eerie about how things happened afterwards that, like, never, like, showed up on, like, video, like... Like they said that the windows were broken. No, now there there was. Um, everybody tries to explain everything and pass it off. What my district director of operations said is that maybe a car drove by that had an an abnormally loud bass system kicking, and it can shake our glass enough to trigger the motion sensor to think that the glass is shattered because that had happened a few times to me before at a different store years after the fact mm -hmm. but not at that store hardly ever never and then all of a sudden these pictures be flying off the fucking wall yeah no if these yeah. walls could fucking talk yeah i'm telling they're, you they're screaming sometimes i would just walk in there and just say a prayer and if i felt any type of presence I would just say, be with God. You know, I don't seem like I'm a religious person. I don't like to talk about religion. But at the time that all of this happened, that's all I had was knowing that God's plan out of my hands. This is my only coping mechanism was putting everything up. I'm a changed person now. I don't talk to God as much as I used to, but it is what it is. That's again, another topic for another day. But again, I wanted to thank you guys um, again this is the podcast that your mother warned you about. Get at us, strange people talking at gmail.com. Don't be sorry. Be happy. Stay weird and stay kind. I will put all of our resources and links in the show notes. Bye. Bye. 3 a.m. fucking 4 a.m. recordings. Sound like shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs>